You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. In a long and thought-provoking piece published on smallcaps.coza, Keith McLaughlin, well-known equity analyst and small cap specialist at Alpha Wealth, that tackles the shrinking elephant in the JAC room, and that is that the market is shrinking, and how to fix it. Importantly, Keith, welcome to the show. Hi, good to be here. Now, we just can't fix problems if we don't um, face up to them, if we're not honest enough to admit uh, that they exist. So firstly, what is the primary problem right now within the JSE? So first of all, this is a global trend. So let's, let's not pick on the JSE here. There are the number of publicly listed companies around the world and global exchanges has been shrinking for the last couple of decades. And it's doing that because private equity markets have become far bigger and more sophisticated so you can remain private longer and the list the cost of being listed has become very high so companies are remaining private longer because they can now those those headwinds are definitely affecting JSE here but we obviously have a structural sovereign risk problem that really aggravates that and the JSEs listing shrinkage has certainly been aggravated versus versus global norms as far as we can tell and it's it's more implicitly and, and it's more structurally noticeable the low end of the market and unfortunately that's where your growth should come from you, you very rarely list a multinational uh, mo- yeah, 100 billion rand um, uh, company into the top 40 very rarely lists there but what you do happen is you do have the Capitex and the like that grow from small listings into being large ones. So the problems that we're seeing structurally, the headwinds in, in the shrinkage in the small cap market on the JSC may not appear like major problems now, but they become major problems later because mm. the ecosystem lacks that, that long tail of growth. And it's obviously a very complex issue to tackle because the sovereign issues that you mentioned earlier that uh, certainly are behind uh, a lack of growth and perhaps a lack of new listings at uh, that kind of um, startup phase that might look for growth capital. But there are also some structural issues that are particular to our exchange. Uh, and that's really what I'd like to focus on and what you focus on in the piece. Uh, what are some of the primary structural issues? So... And you touched on, and as we mentioned, the sovereign risk. I mean, consider for a moment the JSC as an ecosystem uh, with brokers, listed companies, advisors, uh, all these things, asset managers and the like, investors, all part of the ecosystem. And ecosystems as complex forms have positive or negative feedback loops. And so what's effectively currently happening on the JSC in no particular order is Investors can't find attractive investments, so they pull their money off the JSE and send it offshore where they can find attractive investments. Because they, they are selling domestic shares uh, and the money is going offshore, domestic shares are not being rewarded for being listed. So they're looking at their costs and saying this is very expensive, but what is the benefit I'm getting for the cost I'm paying to be listed? Uh, so they are delisting, which shrinks the number of investable options and uh, hence makes less attractive investments, then I go back to the original step where, once again, the investor goes, oh, gosh, there's less to invest in here and there's more offshore and they pull their money. And so the loop goes round. So I think, I think the key structural problems is we need to make our market attractive to an investor. And you do that by lowering the costs, by expanding the universe and tapping into capital pools. So it's really a chicken and an egg scenario. And I go by, I mean, I offer a range of 
possible and I think practical solutions uh, addressing multiple different aspects of this. Um, but but you can't do one thing to fix it. You have to do multiples of things and try to kickstart the positive feedback loop, which is the complete opposite of what I just told you, where you mm. get investors coming onto our market, bringing capital that attract new listings, that make our market more attractive, that then attract more investors and more capital. And so the positive feedback loop starts to kick in. And you have that kind of virtuous uh, cycle uh, in, in the right direction. Now, the first solution is very interesting because we we know we're only one percent or less than uh, of the investable universe for investors the big theme for the last few years has been to go offshore and i don't want to debate uh, the merits and the timing of it because uh, there are valuation issues right now and is sa inc going to kick uh, but this is a long-term solution that you've got on the table here and that is to bulk up the market or at least the interest in um, in off or tap into that interest in offshore using Joburg depository receipts, so that basically investors could invest in your apples and your fangs, but in rands and through the JSE. How would it work? If you go across to America, they have American depository receipts, and this is effectively what I'm modelling this solution on. But consider the investor problem where he goes, gosh, I'd love to buy Amazon and Facebook and Google and, and, and the like. I can't find their script here. There's nothing I want to buy here. So he sells all their shares, puts, uh, sends his money uh, 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 offshore, and that money, by the way, will never come back onshore. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep capital within the ecosystem. And the classic way would be, well, list all those fantastic businesses here. Now, listing is a discretionary decision. A company decides to list or not. What I'm saying is that American depository receipts, which, which JDR's favorite depository receipts can be modeled on, are actually not a company's decision to, to list. You can, in fact, go and get, um, for example, a multinational investment bank and go and buy let's use Amazon as an example, Amazon script off, uh, on the NASDAQ, they hold it in a, in, a, in a repository and they write a note. That note has Amazon as an underline and that note sits on the JSE. Hence, we can buy and sell effectively an instrument which its value is being priced as Amazon shares. Um, but we don't need to send our money offshore and we don't need to pull it off the eco, uh, out of the ecosystem of the JSC and we don't even need to ask Amazon for the permission to list this. So what we do is we take those attractive investment options and we put them on our market. Uh, and in this way, you hopefully are changing people's thought patterns so they're not considering where they're sending money offshore or onshore. They go, you know what, I've got a South African stockbroker, uh, stockbrokerage account. Why don't I just buy what I want to buy? And in which case, at some point, maybe they could trade back into South African shares. Um, but if they pull their money and send it offshore, that option is not on the table anymore. So I'm just trying to, mm. if, if you, you've got to make the exchange attractive to keep capital within the ecosystem. Keith, who drives that? Uh, is the JAC the one in charge of perhaps drumming up the support by going up to the investment banks to say, uh, you, you know, there is a market here for this? Uh, where is the model for uh, the investment bank? So the investment bank would make, uh, make money running the notes program. Uh, there will probably be a management fee in the middle. They, they would market make, so there'd be a spread on that. There's a range of mechanisms where the investment bank can, can make uh, money. 
the, the exchange will make money, obviously, because of the liquidity and obviously long-tail benefits in terms of the ecosystem. But whose decision it is to trigger the program and, and, and to list it is actually quite open-ended. So I've seen, for example, listed companies hire investment banks to structure ADRs as effectively listings into the stakes. Um, so that's the company making the decision. But an investment bank themselves can make the decision because they think there's an attractive revenue stream. But yeah. why can't, for example, the JSC commission this um, or put together a consortium and allow people to tender for it? Um, what, what I'm saying is multiple different parties can decide uh, to make, make this call. It's not the same as a company assigned to list. This is, this is actually almost a, a corporate, corporate finance uh, mechanism. Your second very interesting point is uh, around data. And obviously, access to real-time data would certainly help uh, solve uh, the, the issue of transparency. It is quite difficult to get your hands on, on real-time data at the moment. Uh, how do you propose to solve this issue? When you look around the world, most of the exchanges make a very large amount of money in terms of data. And what I mean by that is, whereas it may not be uh, the majority of their revenue, it has almost no costs attached to it. So it is almost pure profit that drops to the bottom line. Um, interestingly enough, there is an argument that that data is in fact owned by the people that generate it, not, not the exchanges that house it. But legally speaking, uh, exchanges around the world charge for access to this data. Now, a, a problem with that is, it's really the equivalent of paying cover charge to get into a club. If you can't see anything that's happening on an exchange, how can you possibly participate in that? So, so it's a non-discretionary cost that lies on the system. And the best way to view it is for every cent that an exchange generates earning off their data, well, that's what the investors are all, 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 all paying in order to participate. So um, there's, there's ranges of ways of doing this. Now, uh, being a very big uh, or a possibly very expensive item depends on the size investor you are. So my solution is not just turn around and make uh, real-time data free. That's too financially onerous on, on, on stock exchanges around the world, including the JSC, which earns, call it, about a quarter of the bottom line from, from data. What I am saying, though, is why don't you make it free for small retail accounts? So allow the large institutions to continue to pay it, but we want to attract small uh, small investors into the market, they really bring liquidity and price discovery um, in, into stocks. Have a look at what the Robin Hood traders have done in the States. These are under, underrated elements in the exchange that really kickstart the ecosystem, risk-taking small investors. So lower the cost of data to them. You can still charge everyone else, but that is a very small pot of money that, that you're getting out of the guys, but it effectively becomes a barrier to entry because they have to pay it. Um, and it, they may not, may not realize they're paying it. It's embedded into brokerage costs and various other things, but it's very, very realistically there. So lower the barrier to entry, get more investors. Well, Keith, unfortunately, we've run out of time, uh, but we will be chatting to you next week along with the CEO of the JSC, Leila Faree, uh, and expanding on uh, some of these issues. Another one is uh, a pooled small cap sell side research fund, which I think is a, a great idea and also a potential for the financial media to play a role in that as well. So uh, 
uh, chapeau, well done for getting us uh, talking about the issue and uh, for getting the interest of the JAC in this as well. I think uh, what we are finding under new CEO Leila Faree is at least an organisation that, uh, despite its uh, monopolistic tendencies, is looking to reform itself, is understanding a lot of these structural issues and is very open to these kinds of suggestions. Uh, so well done, Keith. We'll chat to you next week.